everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hello, everyone. All right. Welcome to this week's edition. We have a jammed pack podcast for you. We'll do box office updates. We will talk about Netflix having a bad month or week or year or who knows what else uh we're going to look at uh an interesting thing from mlb about uh baseball movies and we'll do a bracket along those lines we'll break down dr strange and of course our watch list all right rob you ready to get started let's do it okay so box office results from this past weekend to no surprise whatsoever we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness comes in first, making $187.4 million in its opening weekend. A uh, very impressive showing. It is the top grossing opening weekend of a movie in 2022. The second biggest grossing uh, movie since the pandemic, uh, next to Spider-Man No Way Home. So a huge opening for Doctor Strange. Uh, bad guys, the bad guys, and its third week was number two at nine point six million. Sonic the Hedgehog at six million. Fantastic Beasts at four point three, and rounding out the top five once again, everything, everywhere, all at once, with remarkable staying power as it continues in its seventh week in the box office, making three point five million for a total of forty one point eight million. Very very strong showing. So. Uh, Let's mostly get into the first and fifth movies here on, on this one. What did you make of the results for Doctor Strange and uh, everything everywhere all at once continuing to have staying power? Well, I'm not surprised at all by Doctor Strange because obviously it's a huge release and it's an IMAX release. So Yes. And I think an IMAX release that a lot of people would want to go see and maybe some people who wouldn't necessarily generally pay to go see IMAX would pay to go see. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was a factor in how much money it made and might make over the next couple of weeks. Um, I know when we went to see it, there were a lot of people yeah. there. So I wasn't surprised by that. Um, also uh, not surprised by everything everywhere all at once because people are talking about it and just, it keeps spreading and people are intrigued and curious about what's going on with it and wanting to check it out and um whether you enjoy the movie or not i think there's no arguments to well-made movie and those are not typical these days (laughs) so um yeah it's just it's just a well-executed movie and it's good to see that it's getting um that kind of recognition and i i would also say that I'm completely unsurprised and a little sad that the North man is not even in the top five. Yeah. Kind of like I predicted when it came out. And if you wanted to go see it, you should go see it early. Cause I just didn't think it would be the kind of movie that would last very long in the theater. I really did like it too. I really thought it was a good movie and well-made. So, I mean, yeah, I'm disappointed in its performance. Uh, but apparently the multiverse is, is a big deal. Uh, that seems to be the, the, the thread here. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some people who are trying to 
kind of put a competition between these two movies because they both feature the multiverse and you really can't they're really two very very different things very very different um emphasis focus budget all all of that type of stuff um so you can't really do that that being said, um, I, I linked to uh, an article, we'll put it in the show notes, talking about how uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is one of the, it's the first one in a while that's really, really survived and been sustained by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And, and that is something that has kept it churning on as people see it. They talk about how good it is, they pass it on. And it's one of the ones where uh, the rare ones where you can see, you can literally see that being a, what sustains a movie and how people have picked up on it and more and more people go to see it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, did you think, uh, Dr. Strange is, uh, and compared to the other, let's say the other Marvel, the other superhero movies, we'll say that, uh, between, do you think it fits? It's in the right spot in between, spider-man and batman i would say so yeah 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 i i would put it i think better than batman and not as good as spider-man i would i would agree with that yeah i i think the marvel factor um is is the main reason why i think it's uh it came in ahead of it came in ahead of batman uh that would be that would be my thought process on that all right well that is uh, a recap of the box office from this past week and make sure you go out and see some of these movies if you haven't had a chance to uh so we're going to move straight to our discussion because we have two discussion items for this week and uh, the first one is catching up with netflix uh so netflix had uh is is struggling a little bit there have been some bad news coming out for netflix in recent weeks um it began uh, when they announced that uh, for the first time ever they are losing subscribers they lost subscribers during the last fiscal quarter and their stock price has also collapsed uh it has fallen quite a bit since uh since that news and this is this has been this is one of the most vulnerable moments for netflix uh and there was a large article uh put out by vulture kind of breaking down what's going on at netflix and offering some potential explanations as to why it is that netflix is losing subscribers and uh why why that has resulted then in their stock price uh, so they, the article kind of provides um, three basic explanations as to what might be going wrong with um, Netflix. And the first one is its content. The second one is uh, competition. And the third one is stubbornness. Um, so Rob, what did you make of what did you make of the article? And do you have a favorite as to which of those? Which of those three explanations rings the most true to you? See, I think the explanation that makes the most sense is one that's, I guess, touched on in stubbornness, but not really put forth as the main reason. 
because I've seen this all over message boards. People are just annoyed with the price structure. Hmm. And people are annoyed with the fact that they're starting to crack down on password sharing. Hmm. So to get ahead of it, people are unsubscribing. And apparently they're not getting that message (laughs) because I've heard that loud and clear online from people that it's lots of people that are unsubscribing from Netflix for that reason. So now elaborate a little bit on what you mean by price structure for anyone. who's So they did, they raised the prices recently and have talked about raising them again. And they've also talked about adding uh, commercial plans which will um, you'll be able to pay a lesser amount for plans with commercials. Similar to what HBO Max did and what Hulu's done the whole time. People are not happy about and see as a gateway to that becoming more and more of a hurdle um, and opportunity to increase prices over time and all that. And uh, they've also talked about and have trial run some uh, programs to limit people being able to share Netflix, which a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and making people like basically two factor authenticate themselves that they're in the house that has the Netflix. And I don't know if they realize that that's going to lose them a lot of people because would you rather have two people sharing a password or zero people? sharing no password because I think they're going to go from two to zero in a lot of cases, which seems like it would not be the best business decision, but that's what they're leaning towards and they've said they're going to do. So I, I just think a lot of people are getting ahead of it and quitting. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's just the content or just what else is out there. Um, I think that's a big factor in it. I do think that the content could be better. Maybe I, I did find interesting in the article. They said that at one point the Netflix executives were expecting to get to 500 million subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty wild how, much things have changed mm-hmm. for sure. Um, for me, it's hard for me to determine which I think is a bigger factor between competition and content. So I'll spend a little bit of time on each one of those and see what you think about this. Like for me, the content on Netflix has always been the issue over the last few years for me. Um, for my personal viewing, um, it's been years since Netflix has been the primary streaming service that I'm like, I have to have this. Um, it is no longer an indispensable part of my streaming thing. I still have it because my wife watches more stuff on Netflix. Um, but their, their content has become so flooded with B level, B level content that they self curated and uh and developed on their own that is just crowding out anything of of substance and it talks in the article how they've gone kind of for for bulk over over quality and even to the point where they're they have an unofficial rule that shows only last three seasons so they can churn out more content and it's just 
every time I go on there, it's just like a whole bunch of what looks like junk. And so you do, you do that enough and you start to say, you know what? I don't know if I really care about this stuff. I don't really need this. And, and so you turn it off. Um, the, and the other factor with competition is, is that there is now robust streaming competition and, you know, I mean, we kind of bemoan the fact that everything's fractured and like you can't have all the streaming services and there's always content you want and don't want on other things. And so when you have um, different competition that makes it comes in and makes itself essential for me, the one I absolutely have to have is HBO Max because I think it has the absolute best content, especially for movies. Um, it like Netflix does not have commercials if you have the, the full plan and it has a much better movie library. It has all the back episodes of all their shows. And it's just a, it, to me, it's just a much better platform. And, and some of the new ones like Peacock and, and, and Paramount plus and Apple TV plus have come in and made a name for themselves and have done a much better job. Like Apple TV plus is a prime example. They don't have that much content but they have managed to have a number of hits, even with a small amount of content as opposed to Netflix. So I think when it comes down to it and you're, you have all these streaming services that you want, but can't afford all of them. You have to look at which one you need to drop. And Netflix just seems to be the easiest one to drop at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you too on uh, HBO max. I think it's the best for movies out there. Um, yeah. If if you would only have one, that would be my suggestion too. Yeah. So what would you uh, what would you do to fix Netflix if you were if you were Reed Hastings and you're the CEO of Netflix? What would you do to fix it? I don't know what they can do. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> they've kind of locked themselves into this model of original content, and I think it's uh, sinking the ship. Because I think they put too much faith in their ability to create their own ecosystem and it's not working out. I think it's fascinating in the article that talked about they've basically like if they want to change anything, it basically won't take effect for four years because they're that far ahead. And it's I would have thought that a streaming service would have a much more nimble turnaround. Uh, but they are limited by the fact that they're of what they're doing, that turnarounds will actually have to happen in a couple of years. Um, if it were me, what I would do is immediately half, more than have the content in production. I would chop it down to bare minimum. I would, I would go over with a fine tooth comb, find only the absolute best things in the works right now and get rid of absolutely everything else. Just, chop it all down and if 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 someone if you say okay we're coming out with a netflix show it's going to be good if we're coming out with a netflix movie you're going to want to see it uh it's very similar to what apple did when steve jobs retook over the company he axed almost all of their new products and brought out just a really well-designed laptop desktop and 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 workstation three things just chopped everything else that's what i would do at netflix all right. Well, we are done uh, talking about the, the fall of Netflix, as it were. <laughs> now let's move on to something much more fun. Baseball. Yes, baseball. Uh, 
Major League Baseball uh, has put out a, a thing that they're doing on their website and on Twitter uh, called Bleacher Features Bracket. Uh, and you get to vote for your MVP of baseball movies. Now, this is right up our alley as both baseball fans and movie fans. And so I thought we'd, we'd take a moment and, and talk about this bracket and, and give our results of it. Uh, so how the bracket is set up, I will, I will link to it so that you can check it out on your own. Uh, but since you can't see it, uh, there's basically 16 movies in a bracket style competition and four different categories for each. And so I'll go through the movies real quickly and then we'll talk about our brackets. Uh, so the first category is Hollywood endings. And the first round has Field of Dreams versus Angels in the Outfield and The Natural versus For Love of the Game. Uh, the second category is Let the Kids Play. Uh, you have Sandlot versus The Perfect Game, and you have Rookie of the Year versus The Bad News Bears. Uh, third category is Based on a True Story, and you have A League of Their Own versus The Rookie, 42 versus Eight Men Out, and Best Ensemble category is the fourth category, and that features Major League versus Trouble with the Curve, Bull Durham versus Moneyball. So Rob, let's let's go through these here a little bit. I, lo I love this idea um, to do it. So let's start with uh, the Hollywood endings category. What did you vote for uh, between Field of Dreams, Angels in the Outfield, and the Natural versus For Love of the Game? Well, I think first we need to ask the question: Which movie wasn't included on this ballot that should have been? Hmm. So I don't I know if you have, have one in mind. But for but for me, it's Hardball with Keanu Reeves. I mean, <laughs> how could that movie not be on this list? I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm hurt, even. So it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to see that not make the the let the kids play category. Um, I mean, yeah. <sighs> Little Big League isn't on there. Yeah, Little Big League either. Yeah. Hmm. We got some, we got some omissions, some egregious omissions, clearly. <laughs> um, so, Field of Dreams versus Angels in the Outfield. I mean, it's it, why they gotta be so mean to Angels in the Outfield. This is like a slaughter. This is, this would be like the Angels game last night, where the Angels won twelve to nothing. The pitcher pitched a perfect game, and the starting third baseman hit a home run batting left-handed, and he's never batted left-handed once in his entire career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh <laughs> yeah, no contest, field of dreams. Uh and the natural versus for love of the game. Uh so the natural, I'm not saying it's gonna win the bracket, but it's my favorite baseball movie of all time. Mm. And so to put it up against for love of the game again to me is an unfair, unfair uh matchup. It destroys for love of the game. I like for love of the game, mm -hmm. but I mean, Robert Redford just kind of slaps Kevin Costner around this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So for me, I, I also had Field of Dreams in a route. The natural versus for love of the game is a tough one for me. Uh, I really like, I really like for love of the game. Um, and, and so because of how I'm going to vote for the next round, I just went ahead and went for, with for love of the game. <laughs> 
Ah, the coward's way out. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, what do you got for the let's let the kids play category? What's what's your vote there? Uh, I have the Sandlot and Bad News Bears advancing in this uh, round. Uh, Bad News Bears versus Rookie of the Year a little closer. I don't think the Sandlot has any competition from uh, Perfect Game, personally. No. No, not remotely. The Sandlot and another absolute walkover easily. Uh, I went with Rookie of the Year. The Bad News Bears is an excellent baseball movie. It probably be, is a better movie, but I watched Rookie of the Year so much as a kid and loved that so much as a kid. I, for sentimental reasons, I went with Rookie of the Year. I just realized that bench warmers also didn't make this list. Oh, be- oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is horrible, but it is amazing. It is. Um, <laughs> all right, the next category, I, I had uh, A League of Their Own. Mm. winning the one and then i had uh eight men out winning the other one Mm. and i realized that that might not be the popular choice for a lot of people in fact a lot of people might not have even seen eight men out um but i saw it a while ago and it instantly became one of my favorite baseball movies and i'm fascinated by the whole black Sox scandal and i think they did a really good job of portraying the characters uh that were involved in that and their stories uh, especially the guys who didn't necessarily want to be involved in the whole thing were dragged into it anyway and had their reputation tainted for the rest of their careers. Um, so I would league of their own and eight men out is what I had winning in that, those two rounds. Yeah. So I went with, I went with the league of their own barely. And the main reason I went with a league of their own is it has one of the most iconic baseball movie lines there's no crying in baseball said in a very whiny Tom Hanks manner. There's no crying in baseball. So uh, yeah. So that, that was enough to give a of their own, the edge there. Uh, I went with 42. I really liked the movie 42. Uh, Chadwick Boseman was excellent in the movie. Uh, I thought it was really well made. Eight men out is also really, really good. That's a, that's a story. That's a fascinating baseball story. Um, so it, both of these were really, really close, but I went with 42 on that one. All right. Last category. The first round best ensemble. What do you got? So major league to me is, is, uh, again, some of these matchups just aren't fair. I trouble with the curve. Doesn't even belong in the same discussion as major league, in my opinion. Um, bull Durham is a great movie, but, uh, Moneyball is also an excellent movie. So I picked Moneyball for that one. Yeah. Same for me. Major Major League is the best baseball comedy movie there is. It's incredible. Um, it has a remarkable staying power. Love Major League. Uh, and Moneyball. Moneyball is so well written, so well done. Um, it's 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 amazing. So, all right, that was the first round. All right, now we're on to the second round. Okay, so this would be the semifinals. All right, Rob. So between, uh, I think you had Field of Dreams and The Natural. Yes. All right, who wins so, between Field of Dreams and The Natural? 
So this is unfair because, in my opinion, Field of Dreams versus The Natural should have been the final. So The Natural should have been <laughs> in the lower part of this bracket somewhere because I know they, they did not rank order these one one through sixteen seated. These the are not these are the best two movies. baseball movies ever made, and uh, so I have The Natural over Field of Dreams because it's my favorite. So uh, we've got The Natural there. Okay. All right. And, I, uh, in the, go ahead. Okay. I had for that category, I had Field of Dreams versus For Love of the Game, and I had Field of Dreams uh, running that one over. Yeah. Um, Sandlot versus Bad News Bears. I have the Sandlot going through. They're both uh, classic movies about precocious children playing baseball, and the Sandlot just does it better. Yeah. In my opinion. So I have the Sandlot going through to the final four. Yeah, for me, it was Sandlot versus uh, Rookie of the Year. And the Sandlot, as you were saying, the Sandlot is the best kids playing baseball movie. It just is. Like, it's it's every bit the classic that it's intended to be. Okay, other so side. Next, yeah, yeah, next we have, uh, for me, A League of Their Own versus Eight Men Out. And I had Eight Men Out going through. Um, I mean, this is showing my personal bias because I'm majorly into drama and well-told stories. And that's what Eight Men Out is. So that's why I have it going through to the last four. For me, Aliyah, their own versus 42. And I had 42 going through. Um, I think it's just a much better movie. And, and then the last one, Major League versus Moneyball. You've got two kind of opposite movies, although Moneyball does have some humor in it. It's certainly not a comedy in the way yep. that Major League is. Um, so I think this one kind of boils down to your personal sensibility and for me just because of how much i've quoted it how much i've watched it and how much i've loved it i have major league uh edging that one and going to the final four i yeah i can't i can't argue with your your uh your picking of major league there because it is such a classic movie but i went with moneyball because i just think it's a better movie um it's a better made movie um it it very nearly won a one uh the best picture Oscar. Uh, it was it was just really really well done, and I love the movie. So Moneyball for me over Major League in that category. All right, so here we go. All right, Rob, what do you got? So we've got uh, the Natural versus the Sandlot in the top half, and I've got mm -hmm. the Natural going through, and then. Eight men out versus major league. I have major league going through. So natural versus major league in the final for me. Uh, for me, the final comes down to Moneyball versus Field of Dreams, which actually did work out for me because they are my two favorite baseball movies. Unfortunately, it did not work out the same way for you. Yeah, I would say that Major League is probably my third favorite baseball movie. So ending up my first versus my third favorite. And although I said early on that the natural beat field of dreams because it's my favorite and it did not necessarily mean it would win, that was a lie because it wins. So the natural is the natural is always going to win this thing for me. It doesn't matter who it's going to come against just because of how much I like that movie. I mean, field of dreams is such a good movie. It should have been in the final. There should have been a way for those two to be in the final because there's no, there's no reason field of dreams should be losing in the second round of a tournament like this. So whoever, made this bracket should be taken out back and caned and fired. <laughs> Hung in effigy, perhaps. Forced to face a Shohei Otani fastball <laughs> to the midsection. 
Well, it comes down between Moneyball and Field of Dreams for me. I went with Field of Dreams. Uh, I just, I love this movie on so many levels. It's so strange and bizarre. And um, really, I think both of these movies capture the, the kind of mystique and nostalgia of baseball. Uh, but add in, add in like, the father storyline and and that whole how the game is passed on between fathers and sons uh, really just makes this movie. Plus James Earl Jones is awesome in Field of Dreams, oh, yeah. you know, and the, and, and the, the baseball speech he gives mm-hmm. at the end is just, Oh man, we did that a while back when, when I did an article on the, on the best monologues mm-hmm. in history. And I have the James Earl Jones speech up near the top. Um, it's oh, man, so many good iconic moments and, and, and uh, even higher up, probably the best, most recognized line in the baseball movie. Uh, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. You know, they will most certainly come. Yeah. Uh, so, so many good, the power of a dream, you know, ah, amazing. All right. Well, that is our bleacher feature, and uh, we will we will link to that uh, if you want to take that quiz your, yourself. If you want to do that bracket yourself, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our watch list. And as uh, you know, if you are a frequenter and a subscriber to the podcast, Rob and I went and saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness this past week, and we recorded an instant reaction right outside of the theater that's available on your podcast feed. Uh, But now we thought, now that we've had a few days to sit with it, we've had some time to process it. It's also not like one in the morning. Uh, Let's break it down a little bit, Rob. Uh, Upon reflection, what are your, we'll do this like we normally do. We'll do generalized comments and then we'll, we'll get into specifics. Uh, Now that you've had some time to process it, what are your general thoughts on the movie? So I need to watch it again, but I think before seeing it again that this will probably be close to the top of my favorite Marvel movies. Hmm. And I think that's be and it's like we talked about with the baseball movies when sometimes um, it comes down to your personal sensibility of the things that you're into and appreciate. And I do tend to lean towards a few things, drama and um psychological like horror sometimes uh kind of things and i felt like there was more of that in this movie than there has been in any previous marvel movie it was just a different um different kind of template that they used in this movie than we've seen before like i said i certainly i would classify as not a kid's movie for sure for sure um my generalized my generalized thought as as i've been thinking about it is i still basically feel like okay i you know it was fine i don't i didn't love it um i was hoping i would and i didn't love it um i think the generalized tone of it uh i wasn't as big a fan of um the I have a better term, the horror direction just didn't didn't appeal to me. And we can get into that a little bit more when we get to the specifics. Um, 
there's there's a line between like where the doctor yeah i can't get into that without talking about spoilers so i'll just save that line until we get there <laughs> i'll save that, that thought until we get there but um yeah i thought i was over overall i was slightly disappointed in it um i think the multiverse as the the multiverse was more of a setting rather than a plot to this movie. And I was hoping it would be more of the plot and not the setting. And so I think it could have been, I mean, my reaction could be more uh, based on expectation and uh, then it is an accurate critique of the movie. Uh, but that, that's my generalized thoughts. Yeah, I agree. I th- if we can go into, um, more specifics so if you're listening uh we're going to talk about specific things now so spoiler alert um, <laughs> put a little time stamp in here clap twice um <laughs> uh so i i think and this is getting a little more specific that like you said the multiverse was used more as a setting and not storyline i agree with that because i I think the story of this movie is Wanda versus Doctor Strange. Yeah. And it's because Wanda is trying to um, get to slash recreate the family that she never had in real life, but then was able to create in Westview, which is um, the, the town from the show WandaVision. So I think you could, you could, I think that might be one of the, things about this movie that may be a hindrance to some people. I don't know if you, I wouldn't say you need to have seen WandaVision before the movie, but it certainly would help you with your understanding of why she's so motivated to do what she does and what has led to her becoming this character. Because in WandaVision, you see her kind of move from the good character to this out of control um, character from, from Wanda to the Scarlet Witch. They're, they're two different people, two different personalities. And I think you see traces of that in the movies, but it's not really fully realized until the show. And so this movie really brings it out completely. Like she doesn't, she only cares about her family. She doesn't care about anything else or anyone else and it's hard to necessarily blame her given what happened to vision in the avengers movies um but yeah the, the the main driving story in the movie is not the multiverse like you said it's that personal conflict more than anything else yeah yeah for sure and i think i think the idea of Wanda as the next bad character, as it were, I didn't love it. Um, it it more felt to me like the idea that the the question always was, it, where are they going to come up with the Phase Four characters from? You know that people are actually going to care about. And so the idea of just flipping Wanda into a character um, who goes who goes rogue um, 
it's not without precedent within her her character that they've established with Marvel. So that's not that not an issue with that. But to me, it almost strikes as as a lack of a lack of next level characters uh, to me. Um, similarly, I didn't love I didn't love the whole Civil War aspect of Phase Three of the Avengers. Um, where they basically had all the characters turning on each other. I didn't love that storyline development. Um, so I didn't love this one either. Um, I also am not sure how I feel about the idea of the movie being as heavily tied into uh, the TV show as possible. That was always one of the questions with them developing as many TV shows as they are developing for Marvel is how will, how will those affect the movies? Will they start impacting what goes in the movies? And, and to what degree will you need to have watched the TV shows in order to appreciate the movies? Um, and this was the first one that really took a major step in that direction because not only did you have WandaVision, but you had the What If TV series um, had some impact on this one. Not that you really needed to see the What If TV series, uh, but it, it provided much more context to that. I mean, there's also been some... Um, the opposite direction too. If you've seen the um, series Hawkeye, the end of uh, the end of Black Widow, they come to um, Scarlett Johansson's. Uh, I mean Natasha's uh, sister with a mission to take out Hawkeye, mm -hmm. and then that happens in the Hawkeye series. Yeah, she finally catches up with them. So I think they're trying to do that back and forth in a couple different ways across. Yeah. And it, makes sense on, it makes sense on some kind of level, but the problem is like the more, the more you record, more you require of the average viewer, the harder it's going to be to retain the average viewer. Um, it's already, it, Marvel already asked a lot of its viewers already to have, retained everything from all of their movies to remember the different intrigues and the storylines and things that going forward as they're overlaying those. But you add in that extra layer of TV shows that are available only on Disney plus. And I think there I'm for the most part, I think they'll be successful with it for now, but you do run the risk of asking too much of your audience. And if the movies end up being tied too much to TV shows that you had to watch, uh, you will turn off some of your audience who are, who have not seen the TV shows and not spent the time on it. All right. Um, so what did you, let's get into, let's get into, let's say the horror aspect of, of the movie as, as uh, the Scarlet Witch takes over and Dr. Strange is battling with her. The movie takes a very dark tone, uh, especially over the second half of the movie. Uh, what did you make of that development? It's it's unique amongst Marvel, and I'm, I'm guessing we're going to have slightly different opinions on this one. Mm -hmm. To me, it makes sense within the context of the characters, especially when they're going against each other, because they're both incredibly powerful when it comes to magic, and especially Wanda dealing with the dark arts with... Um, the specific book she's utilizing to cast and throw these things. So when, when you're that deeply involved in that 
kind of thing, I don't see how it could not be a little terrifying. And so to me, it, it made sense that they went that way with things. And having seen a decent amount of horror movies, I think that they executed it well too, because it seemed genuinely like there were stakes uh, involved in the thing. And it can be easy for a horror setting to feel forced or, or cheap. And I didn't feel that way um, with how they approached her character. Uh, the one line I think that stuck out to me the most is when uh, she asked the one character if his children had a mother and she, he said yes and she said good at least someone will be left to raise them <laughs> like I thought that was pretty brutal especially for a Marvel movie and I loved it personally because <laughs> it showed like I think it just showed how far gone her character and personality is at this point yeah yeah um for me i didn't love it um probably because of it definitely took a more like like for lack of a better term like more like almost demonic type feel to it in terms of its um it delved much more into the dark ends of the magic aspect of things which i just don't i don't resonate with as much like doc the doctor strange the first movie was right on that borderline where yeah it was it was kind of what we would call magic but it was it still felt more anchored as it were um this movie definitely leaves the anchoring behind and you get and you get just um a deep level of underworld as it were. And I just, it just wasn't for me. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't my favorite storylines. Um, and it led the moments that I thought were like, yeah, if this would actually be a moment, if it wasn't like done with horror, I'm thinking in particular of the moment where the, the girl now blanking out on the, the main girl character's name. Um, uh, it's America. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's getting ready to have this poignant moment with Dr. Strange and it's not Dr. Strange. It's like the de decrepit corpse of Dr. Strange, you know, giving her this advice. And I'm like, yeah, I can't take this moment seriously with, you know, have half the dude's face eaten away. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't work the same way. And, and so, you know, it led to moments like that for me that I'm like, and I'm still the whole time. I'm like, I get, I get where they were going with um, her going off the deep end, getting down into, into the dark arts on that, on that front. Um, but yeah, it made sense for the character. I just, I wasn't a fan of it personally. Um, see, we can see fans. We can disagree on things sometimes. It does happen. Yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> is there, is there one or two elements that you liked and or didn't like that we haven't discussed yet? Um, 
I, I kind of feel like they could have done more with the new girl character. Um, obviously, she wasn't the focal point of the movie, but I'm wondering if going forward, if she's going to be a part of things. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of background necessarily. Um, I mean, we saw her like being taken away from or her parents being taken away from her. But I, I think there could have been more done with that but like it is a doctor strange movie so i guess she was never going to be the focus of the movie the one aspect i liked but wish they had gotten more into is um there's a lot about doctor strange's character in this movie is you know is he just the person he is is he someone who can never be really who cannot be relied upon who is always going to basically put himself first. Um, they had that going on multiple levels, both with how they set up uh, America and um, how they set it up with Rachel McAdams' character. There was a recurring theme on that. I like that character development aspect of the film. They could have gotten more into it, but I like that. Um, something I didn't like is the... Uh, America's character, her, you know, basically she just needs one little pep talk to all of a sudden be perfectly powerful and control everything. She basically mm-hmm. can't control anything the entire movie. Then all of a sudden, Doctor Strange says, "You can do it," and she's like, "Oh, okay." And then all magically, she can control everything now. <sighs> that- yeah, I saw someone on Reddit made the comments like, "I have, I, I can't do anything out of any control, Doctor Strange." Yes, you do, America. Okay. Yeah. loved professor xavier coming back love that that's fantastic and And i really hope i really hope john krasinski has a chance to Mm -hmm. be reed richards in something permanent because i think he did a really good job didn't like the fact that they introduced those characters and had them all instantaneously die yeah it's rough really Okay. So, yeah, that's what I got for that. Anything else on this? I don't think so. All right. Uh, So let's move on to just uh, the rest of our watch list movies we watched the rest of this week. What'd you watch, Rob? So I didn't watch anything else, but I know you watched something that I watched before, so we can talk about that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, I did finally get to see it, and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um, it it I it was strange, but it was strange in almost in an endearing way. You know, the random things they had to do to jump universes was unusual, felt original, and was strange, but felt um fun, as it were. Yes. Um. So that really, I really, really enjoyed that. I think philosophically, it really hit the nail on the head philosophically as to where it was going with the general, the general uh, idea and the theme of the movie. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was excellent. Um, but I thought uh, Short Round was, was, the, was the highlight of the, uh, the movie. Uh, for those Finding who out that was him is like the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Like, it's insane. If you're not familiar with it, the the kid who played Short Round in the Indiana Jones movie is 
of course, obviously grown up now, and he is the male lead in this movie. Uh, and he did like a return movie. to acting after 40 years of not acting. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, downsides, they were way, way, way too obsessed with like sexual iconography. <laughs> it was bizarre. It was like, it was bizarre. I think that's just the world. And I think that in every way, this movie is intentionally absurd. And I think that was just part of the absurdity. Yeah. Um, A little bit of the agenda stuff on there. I I could have done it without, but. Although I, I think when it comes to the main guy's character, the fact that he hasn't been um, involved in acting for such a long time, his performance seemed very genuine. Yeah. It, it, it just seemed like he was being mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. And and you can tell with a well-written, well-acted movie, like th- the authenticity really shines through in this one. The, you really get the sense that the characters feel what they're supposed to feel. And and that really, really shines through. And that's what makes this movie uh, so excellent. I, I think I think one of the things that's really helped this movie's word of mouth is that when you hear about a movie like this, I think a lot of people would, when they hear like um, multiverse movie or, you know, mind bending movie, they think of something like really like, like dark, serious, mm-hmm. contemplative. And this movie is, downright hilarious yeah. at points yeah and i think people are spreading that word around like you gotta go see this movie because it's hilarious and it has a soul to it yeah you know it's not it's not just all scientific calculating like trying to mess with your head completely it's it's got a soul to it and i think that's really what separates it from other movies of a similar genre and i love raccoon akui it's my favorite thing ever <laughs> <laughs> you mean ratatouille no <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty amazing um, yeah it's just so it's so unusual and but you know taiki watiti is very good at this at creating weird unusual things that are fun endearing and work and this movie had a lot of that in it yeah so all right well i don't need to get into anything else for this one uh anything else you got rob i'm good all right well thank you for uh tuning into film for fans make sure you check out our website filmforfans.com rate subscribe like the podcast share it with your friends all that good stuff until next time enjoy the movies <laughs>